Well, hey, Gundam Maniacs, welcome to the Gundam Explained show. It is September, which is pretty cool, I guess, as we tend to have what the consistent to be continued of is the dates of, I don't, I don't know why that's a thing, but like, hey, it's like the weather. It's like no one else has anything to say. So it's like, hey, it's September, nearing the end of summer, huh? <laughs> yeah right it doesn't feel like it still you know 98 degrees outside oh i don't know how bad it is down there but here it's sweltering no that's i mean that's bad it's been in the low 100s and um next week is when it's gonna drop like there was a day uh on payday on a friday i decided to take it off it's gonna be 78 max and i'm gonna enjoy that day <laughs> it's not the heat it's the humidity <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna Dude, I'm going to be chilling outside. Um, uh, I, ju I just, yeah, I want to get out more. Like I was telling you earlier, or I was telling someone earlier. Uh, oh, no, you told me this, actually, about absorbing the sun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that so was, uh, that that was on the show yesterday, right? We were talking about, yeah, like, right. yeah, like bi um, biophysical hacks and things like, yeah. oh, well, you got you to breathe through your nose because breathing through your nose maximizes. There, there's all kinds of stuff. But there, there's I a lot of charlatans online. <laughs> yeah, but there's all these little things that I think they can add up. Like when I yeah. – um, the, the sun thing makes sense. I used to be out in the sun a lot more in the mornings, and then today I was like, well, I'm going to just – after I dropped off the uh, the youngest one, I was like, I'm going to stay out here for a little bit and just do some work on my phone. And it felt good just yeah, getting in those rooms. It made me feel a little more positive because I was feeling a little down during the week, but I think it is a lot of you know connecting with people, being online or – from being online and then being outside. Yeah, um, yeah you got to get some some in-person FaceTime. Sunlight always helps. I think it's hilarious that, you know, we've we've come up with those sad lamps, the seasonal affected disorder lamps that you can shine, you know, oh. UV rays on your face. It's like, oh, that's pretty crazy. I didn't. Uh, yeah, I didn't it's like, or you could just go outside. <laughs> <laughs> no, but well, anyway, how are you doing? We had our stream on your channel yesterday, which I thought was another yet another good talk that we do every once in a while on your streams where we start getting pretty deep and it has a lot of good positive messages. So. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed that talk. And I hope that um, other people were able to relate and hopefully draw some, you know, good, good advice, good conclusions about, you know, just how to not just how to hobby but how to live yeah no <laughs> not just how to hobby but how to live i like that i like that <laughs> um well no uh let's see let me do something here i'm my other computer's making a lot of noise and it's very annoying so i'm gonna mute it <laughs> um no but um uh curious anything gundam related you've gotten into this week or adjacent um, I mean, nothing that I haven't shared already, you know, I don't want to bore everyone with the, the same old, you know, projects and especially given what we talked about yesterday, I'm going to stop oh, telling yeah. everybody what I'm, what I'm doing. I'm just going to show it to you when it's done. <laughs> That's true. If you haven't watched it, watch the episode from yesterday. Cause it's kind of relate yet yeah, to the, the whole hobby thing, talking about projects. No, that's, that's pretty good. Um, that was a good time, but I, um, I hadn't gotten, I hadn't made a Gundam goods purchase in a while. And I finally oh. got a pre-order in the other, uh, yes, that came in yesterday. And it's that, uh, oh, yeah, awesome. yeah. yeah, it, it, I love everything about it. The look, the color, the, even just the figure itself, the paint, yeah. the color separation, like, and I then, love that radome on the shoulder. Yeah. 
I know. And and that it, it it could transform into a core fighter that looks badass. So, like, when it comes to the stuff I like about Gundam, this hits all those cues. And I'll probably yeah, really soon have a review video up of it to kind of look at its accessories, what it can do and everything. Um, Interesting that, you know, all of those Gundams designed by Nina Purpleton from 0083 and that, you know, adjacent 0083 storylines, they're all named after flowers. Yeah. Which I think it's kind of interesting. You know, it's if you look at like some of the male mechanics throughout the Gundam franchise, they always name their their mobile suits something aggressive and cool. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah. you know, she's over here talking about the blossom and the um Zephyranthes and the Dendrobium Orcus. Like it's and that's pretty neat because that's the that's almost like even though Gundam is about the robots, the story writers are taking the the characters and in universe explaining the robots through their eyes so yeah adding you know you know there's a lot of i guess you know female uh staff at anaheim electronics in the first place and not that women means flowers it's just kind of a a generalization i guess that yeah you know. yeah that sort of gendered language that yeah that, that just occurs naturally it's something you and i were talking about before the show started is gundam has this way of as a franchise portraying human interactions in a realistic way as opposed to like a very storybook um you know cliche sort of way where things things don't happen because that's what's supposed to happen for the story to be complete things just happen because that's human nature yeah i like that i, I yeah we were just talking about that one because like there's a lot of things in tomino gundam that seems awkward but it's just because of how he's representing the characters to be pretty realistic and i and i was using the example of hathaway where that whole time in the hathaway movie hathaway and um what's the girl's name i always forget like Gigi. Oh, Gigi. Yeah. Yeah. Like you could tell he's interested, but he doesn't want to. So, but he's just not speaking. And that's very common with human nature. A lot of times we have troubles speaking on how we're really feeling, like on how our emotions. And that's yeah. sometimes, I, I, usually it's funny because in, in shows and movies, you'll purposely have these situations occur just so it moves the plot forward. Yeah. And, you know, in, in Hathaway, that plot wasn't moving forward and it was almost annoying, but it's like, well, I guess he's kind of acting like, and then on Gigi's side, she doesn't know why he's acting that way. So that's why she's just doing her own thing, you know? Right. Um, yeah. I, I mean, um, yeah. a lot of people expect a story to go kind of like, like Gilmore girls where they're just reeling lines back and forth at each other and dropping these references and how frequently when you're in conversation, can you just, are you on point with that? And you don't stumble, you don't stutter, oh, you don't yeah. do anything. Whereas, you know, it, I, I know this happens to me all the time, but how many times do you go for either a handshake or a fist bump and the other person does the, the opposite and you're, you do that. That is like, that is a tom tomanoism if, if yeah. there ever was one. <laughs> Exactly. That's a that's a good way to put it. Also, I like what you said about like uh, you've brought up Gilmore Girls quite a bit. I've never seen it. Is that like a good show or something? <laughs> Maybe it's a guilty pleasure of mine. I don't know. Okay, I might have to check that out. But um, yeah, th that whole thing of like talking where yeah, there's some dialogue where when people are going back and forth, it's like okay, this is obviously written to be yeah. like this, and it's not natural. And then there's a difference between writing that's pretty natural. And it makes me think, I wonder if like with this age of TikToks and podcasts, will that form 
the the sort of writing we might see in the future in fiction where people are kind of picking up on cues that are done in podcasts or on TikToks or in videos where people are speaking more naturally and sometimes awkwardly, but that's part of the charm. Yeah, you know, I think that it's we we are getting more acclimated to natural conversation and long form content that is less scripted and less you know prescribed. Yeah. Um, one example I think is uh the actor Mark Duplass who he co wrote and starred in that that TV show The League. He's also been in a couple oh. of horror movies that have been really really yeah. good. If you haven't okay. uh, seen, I forget what that one is that. That, that he starred in. He was at a cabin where he was like a creepy dude? Yes, exactly. I forget that, but I know what you're talking about, yeah. So yeah, Mark Duplass is, uh, I believe he coined the term mumblecore, which is they oh. don't write scripts. They they have ideas that they're supposed to get across in every scene that they shoot, but they don't have lines written for them. And so everything has to be sort of improv And so it, it comes off a little bit more natural. It's still scripted because obviously they have to go in and edit things but i think that yeah. it really sounds a lot more authentic and and that's funny because that's especially with my channel here like it, i when i was making my videos it's like i didn't want to make scripted videos i hate what it sounds like when i am just reading a script and there are some videos recently where i've been doing that but i'm trying to get better at there's some stuff i just have to read and so it's like how yeah. can i learn to but then when I can, I, it's like, okay, if I have a good amount of thoughts in my mind, can I go in front of the camera and just speak and speak and speak? And and then it just reminds me of when I, the, the pastime uh, that we're missing of hanging out with people in real life, how fun that is. And there's there's that that's going on, which is pretty interesting, you know, because uh, a lot of times when you're making a video, you are sometimes inadvertently going into a character. And I feel like I slightly have that to a degree it, it's more of the same character i have whenever i go talk to people but oh, then yeah. when i'm by myself i don't have that character when i'm by myself i'm like Harrison i generally Ford, swear a I lot don't. more when i'm not on camera yeah <laughs> <laughs> no but yeah it's uh it, yeah it, it, it's a very interesting thing and uh, and again i think that's another example of sometimes where japanese art tends to be ahead but it's it it's by truly looking at human nature to really yeah find what and, and it's not as ahead as it is maybe timeless uh in a way where it's like it's really looking at the root of any part of storytelling and and telling it in a natural way um yeah i don't know it'll be interesting to see what effect uh ai script writing and ai you know just text generation in general is going to have on the future of entertainment media and communication in general uh, my boss, for one, sends a lot of AI AI generated uh, emails to to the staff, and I'm, it, you know, it's like because I know him, I know that he doesn't speak like that naturally. So when I get these AI generated emails, I'm just I roll my eyes and I can't I can't take it seriously. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, I wonder how often we're going to come across that in the future, just for little things where it's oh, like yeah. it'd be like your friend sends you something or a parent does something, and it's like, wait a minute, that was an AI thing, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah that's... it just goes to show how powerful like the uncanny valley is, and how we we don't realize it, but human beings are very good at recognizing artificial. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and you know, I think what would have helped this whole AI trend is if 
the the word AI or artificial intelligence wasn't used. And it was, it was just, instead they just evolved algorithm. Exactly. It it really is algorithmic intelligence, not. Yeah. Yeah. And Um, you know, obviously the AI is just a marketing term. So. Yeah, that's true. Um, You know, um, yeah, something else uh, this week too that I got. So I don't know if you guys heard me talk about, I got that metal robot spirits wound wart. And as cool as it is, it was super expensive for how small it is. And I did that recent video where I talked about the wound wart and how it's really just a small thing that you add the TR6, you add all the stuff yeah. on it. Lack of accessories for, for the price. Yeah. And on top of that, they set, they sell an option part set. And I guess it was up for pre-order and I totally missed it, but uh, now it's being sent shipped out and I found a, a site that had it uh, for a good price. Nice. So I got it. So I'll do a review on that. Cause I think it would be more interesting to do a wound wart review with the option parts and and what's going to be even more interesting is when i get the option parts like what then tr6 variant am i making and is it possible to do variants and could i put those parts on the hazel and does that because i think part of what i learned doing that video is if you really want to get in on that tr line there's you know one through six like yeah there are so many different variants and what bodies do they use like it it I feel like that's going to be a journey for me and I'm now a little further ahead than I was before, but yeah, I'll be making some more videos. You know, Talos in the chat, he's been helping me with that. We're going to be making some more videos that kind of deal with advance of Zeta and the terminology and stuff like that. So um, it helps, you know, I always say it it helps when you have it in hand. So when I have, I would love to have every TR six component, (laughs) but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And I'm trying to think, was there anything else? The only other thing I could bring up is, you know, I did that video on the ROG ally. Um, yes, which, very cool. I just love, like, I don't know what it is. There's something about having a handheld versus turning on my computer or going to living on TV where I can just quickly get into a game. Like, so if I'm just sitting around or something and instead of scrolling my phone, I'll be like, Hey, I'm going to load up the emulator and play this old SNES Gundam game. You know, it's so awesome. It, I mean, it, maybe there's a lot of front-loaded work of setting everything up and downloading everything, but once you do, it, it's really nice to, especially for research purposes. Being able to, and then, the, shut up, honey! I'm doing research. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's well. You know, it's one of those examples where y- you bring up a very good point with the Rog Ally, where being able to just kind of pick up and go is it, it really is the kind of future we didn't realize we needed and it, it i'm gonna say it it's one of those ways that nintendo was ahead of the game with yep. something like the switch um mm-hmm. in in a lot of ways i think what a lot of people want is that ability to play remote that ability to yeah. you know but but you still want to be able to plug into the console and have the big screen tv so it's like that flexibility if the switch just had next gen graphics i think that it would blow playstation and xbox out of the water but yeah. they're stuck at that, you know, 30 frames a second. <laughs> I know. And I, I guess I, I like, I like being able to play game because I love gaming so much to be very dynamic in the way I play. There are some games that I just love sitting with a handheld in front of me and just playing like it works. And there's some games. Yeah. I want to be on the big screen or when I'm playing armored core, it's on my PC, you know, um, yeah. depends on the game. Um, Someone in chat was asking, is it easy? This is Nike. Is it easy to oh, yeah. upgrade the NVMe on the ROG? And it actually is. I, 
I watched some videos about it because I was interested. And yeah, they just take off the back. You do have to remove a few things, uh, components. It's not like it's modular. But, and I'm just saying it's easy because I've done stuff like that before. So it really depends. But people are buying two terabyte SSDs and putting in there. And I'm like, man, I, awesome. I, it's when they're on sale, they're about 200, which is a pretty high price. So that's going to be like, at a certain point, I want to upgrade. Now, I did buy a one terabyte uh, SSD card to put in. So it's not like I'm, I changed the module. It's the expansion card. And yeah. uh, that's been perfect because I loaded all my ROMs that I have and my emulators. And then I started yeah, cool. installing games. Like I have Armored Core 6, um, GBO2, Starfield, a bunch of other games installed. So having like Armored Core 6 and Starfield right there, these two recent games that just came out, and I could just and, play and those them. Are, like, those are what, 90 gigs a piece? Yeah. Oh, yeah. In um, the new NBA 2K, I don't play them, but that one's going to be 160 gigs, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think it's the, the textures because they apparently they have a new mode oh. where it can take uh, an actual game that occurred, like a live game, and then make it where you're watching it with the in-game engine uh, in real time. And it looks That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty crazy. But the next thing that um, I want to do is, and someone actually brought this up in the comments for the ROG Ally, is they were talking about a game I never heard of, something Hammer, SD Gundam Hammer. Uh, and I looked at for the Wii. I'm sorry, for the Wii specifically. Oh, so I looked God. at it, and it was really neat. It looked like... Pretty good graphics for like being cutesy SD animation, but sure. it looks. I don't know why you would need the motion controls, but it's like you use the hammer, I guess. I, I don't know. Um, That's so and then funny. I, I saw that there were some other really cool Wii Gundam games I never heard of, never played. So that will probably be the one of the next things I get into once I do a proper review of Unicorn on PS3 is looking at the Wii games because um, they even have a Wii game that is you're in the cockpit and it's all motion controls. And Now, do you have a Wii that you're going to be playing these on or are you going to emulate? Because it might be difficult to work with the motion controls if you don't have the, the software. I, so I do have a Wii. Uh, it's not plugged up or anything, so I could do that. But I also have Wii remotes that I could sync with because I've been researching it. It's very, very easy to sync with a PC. So Okay, sweet. We'll see. I, I, I'm going to research what's going to be the easiest method. If it's if it's easy enough and it's not expensive to where I can just import the game or buy the game and play it on my Wii without modding, I might just do that just for the classic approach. Um, yeah. Yeah, and we were even talking about the Wii. I think it was yesterday where that was kind of like a – we almost skipped that generation because it's like, yeah. is this really for us? Yeah. <laughs> It's a, it's one of those things that it's similar to the Dreamcast where it might have just been ahead of its time because now everybody's doing like VR stuff and you're basically, I mean, VR controls are practically the same as the as the Wii Nunchuck with just yep. a couple of extra buttons and things. So yep. it's just, you know, just one of those things where sometimes the the innovative, the the the, the first generation of of a given product is not the perfect iteration of said product. Yeah, I still, when it comes to Dreamcast, I feel like that is, you know, everyone has the times where the timeline split into the dark times. For me, <laughs> it was PlayStation playing dirty with Dreamcast. Because, you know, Sony was telling people, uh, retailers, when they were going to sell them the PS2, they're like, yeah, we'll have you carry the PS2, but you can't carry any Dreamcast stuff. 
that's crazy. I know. And they got away with it. And, um, and, and, and they even went even further. There were some, um, store. And I remember locally here, cause I would always go to stores to buy games and talk to the people, you know, and I forget what electronic store it was, but it wasn't an electronic store that sold games, but they had PlayStation games. So I asked them like, how come you only have PlayStation games? They're like, well, Sony mandates, if we sell any of their products, we have to carry their games. And I was like, oh, Interesting. wow. So huh. Sony was playing dirty, and that took down the Dreamcast. And and they play dirty in the music industry, too. I mean, Sony oh, owns, what, yeah. like 60% of all music? You know, yeah. it, chances are, if you get copy struck on YouTube for something, it's Sony that's doing it. <laughs> you might see Sony or Columbia, I think, is the other thing yep. you'll see. That, and I think there was that a big deal with uh, The Offspring, which is a band I used, used to be my favorite band. And yeah. like they, I, and I don't know if it happened but they were trying to buy the, their catalog back from Sony because how they were, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's because then if it's like if you're an artist that you want to release remasters and stuff, but you don't even own the rights to your own music, like what do you, what do you yeah. do? Yeah, um, Sony is the Anaheim Electronics of. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. So Nike's talking about not necessarily Sega America gave up on the Saturn and Dreamcast pretty quickly in Japan. Saturn and Dreamcast was supported much longer. Well, there was a reason for that. It's not that they gave up on it. It's actually that so when they were coming out with the Saturn, the Sega Genesis was just still selling so well. And the Saturn, though, okay, by the time the Saturn was going to come out, Sega then told Sega America, can you come come up with like a in between system? And they were like, "Well, I don't know if we should." And then that's where the thirty two X came from, you know. Yeah. And and the thirty two X kind of confused consumers. Yeah, and it, even though I like the thirty two X and it had promise, but it's one of those things where that's too many things to to consider. The other interesting thing is when the first Sonic came out and got really popular, it was Sega of America that carried the torch and made Sonic two three sonic and knuckles like so you, it's like you can uh, like thank sega of america for how they did sonic you know and um and then it even went as far as so right before the dreamcast shuttered sega of america was trying to work with microsoft to make it where then microsoft would kind of carry on the dreamcast because yeah. this was before microsoft was because you know the microsoft xbox development just happened overnight uh, like really quickly, they even had like a fake prototype to show off a game. But the original talks were going to be that Microsoft would help Sega develop another console because the Dreamcast used Windows NT. But then that fell through last minute because then I think Sega of Japan didn't like how much American influence there was. So it's very interesting that whole thing where both sides had their ideas but i think it was during that time the 90s when it comes to importing exporting like that just messes up timeline of shipping things yeah it was kind of the wild west back then especially with you know just the internet taking off and and kind of opening up consumers eyes to what was going on you know yeah. in the early 90s people didn't even realize that there was like i don't know a different version of super mario 2 that people were yeah. playing you know? I know lost levels is what they released it as eventually yeah, here in the u.s know, yeah you, you could not get yeah. away with that stuff now and, and yeah. so and so it's interesting it, it, it presents yeah. a big challenge for the folks at like bandai namco entertainment america because 
you know, that is a whole, like you said, it's a separate entity from Bandai Japan. Yeah. And so, you know, they have to kind of play within a different sandbox. And, you know, sometimes when it, when we as Gundam consumers kind of see something going on in Japan, we're like, well, why isn't, why aren't we getting that? And why are they localizing yeah. this? And these are, these are things that have been going on for decades. <laughs> yeah. That's very interesting. Cause with UC engage, that's coming out on mobile. That's a separate company, even though it's within Bandai from the, the company doing the SD uh, internal. Yeah. Eternal yeah. that's coming out. Like it, it's very interesting. And I feel like, that's just, I guess, fragments of older ways of doing things. And eventually it would solidify into a single thing. I feel like it has to, like, but then again, you look at Microsoft and they don't have a big Japanese presence. No. So I wonder how much there is sort of at the top decision making that cultural divide that then trickles down to the consumer who wouldn't care. The True. consumer who would probably lap up. <laughs> this stuff so yeah well i i do think it's interesting I, I i tend to prefer that segmented style of production because then that's what gives us the variety that we have um i feel like if everything yeah. was consolidated under one company under one umbrella that's when you get everything is so samey and you know i i would say that that's probably one of the weaknesses of microsoft and xbox is that you know their their, their game catalog is very samey everything's fps's and or indies that haven't not anything against indies but it's more of like well what's a cheap publisher developer we can grab and release this stuff on game pass yeah, yeah. i mean fall yeah. guys that'll run on anything so yeah. you don't you know it's not like um they have to do a whole lot of uh console specific development you know you remind me of something that i love and I don't know if it happens much anymore, but it's like when, for instance, on the Super Nintendo or back on the Genesis and Super Nintendo, when the Aladdin game came out, they were made oh, by yeah. two completely different developers. So it was neat that you could play like essentially two different games or like the Robocop vs. Terminator on the Genesis and Super Nintendo were also completely different games. Like the yeah. Robocop vs. Terminator on Genesis was made a year later by david perry of i think shiny and he was at virgin maybe at the time and he just built the engine while making the game like wow and it's like and it, it ended up looking and sounding better i think some of it could be a p personal preference but in my sure. opinion the genesis version of that game was better um uh, and so that you know we've seen that go up to like when it comes to like uh, maybe around wii and playstation two or maybe three by then like I, I think the force unleashed games maybe the most recent even though it's a while ago where they were different on their respective systems because of hardware but i wonder how much we're going to see that in the future because i know That's speaking of star wars that latest jedi survivor it was originally only on next gen or current gen consoles they've now gone back to rework it to work on older hardware and my thought on that is because that's going to be switch two specs are going to be equivalent to a PS4 or Xbox. So I think there they're going to re-release it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wonder, we don't see that much anymore now, right? Where games are like completely different of an yeah. IP. 
Yeah, you know, uh, that used to be a big deal with, like you said, with franchise-type games. Um, You know, RoboCop, uh, the Jurassic Park video games, you know, from Genesis to Nintendo were wildly different. Um, And it's because they had to design for the hardware that they were were operating on. A lot of times you'd notice audio differences because Nintendo audio audio was always just a little tinny. It wasn't, they didn't have as many audio channels to work with, I think, was the issue. And it seemed like the Genesis sounded worse, but I think there was something where it had more channels, so like it made it more dynamic sounding or something. Right, yeah. and, and so it was, it's just fascinating, that kind of stuff. One of my favorite sort of um, industry stories is when they, when they remastered Resident Evil 2 for the Nintendo 64, and they had to compress oh. a two-disc video game into a single Nintendo cartridge, and... You know, it was like, how are we going to even the video, like the opening cutscenes and stuff alone would have completely eaten up all of the memory that they could fit on a cartridge. And so it's crazy to me that like the Nintendo Switch still runs on cartridges like Nintendo is not giving up the cartridge game. Yeah, no, that is interesting. And yeah, I like that you brought up that Resident Evil 2 because that was during a time where it was a big deal that cartridges could have full motion video. Because yeah. that the, the, I think the time before that, that that was done, I think there was a game. It wasn't Red Alert. It was Red something on Genesis. And the beginning intro had this quick little like uh, full motion thing. And it's like, how did they do that? Oh yeah, um, it's amazing. And you know, just real quick before we move on, I don't know if you heard. I'm trying to look up. We're, we're, but there was a game just released on the NES uh, this year. Yes. Oh. Oh, man. you heard about that too. Yeah, I actually just watched a YouTube video on it, and oh. it, it's like garbage a, it's like, kids. But I don't know if that's a remake or a new one. Oh, I don't know. I don't. But that's. I mean, I I like that. Like, there's something about when, especially if you can make a game now on older hardware, but come up with tricks to do new things. Like, yeah. Like when I think of the Vampire Survivors games, it's like that could have been on it potentially i don't know with all the stuff happening on screen but the button it's you just move the d-pad like it's not complex but it's modern you know and that i think when i was watching the developer kind of it was like a devlog for that game you were talking about you know they were talking about okay well here is our sprite for like this ghost enemy that we have and but but we can maximize space by just copying the top of the ghost sprite and pasting it on the bottom and rotating it. So it's like they reused a lot of sprite sections in order to, to save animation space. And it is really, really impressive stuff. It, yeah, it's just cool, cool to see people still innovating on old tech. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Like I was thinking last night how much I want, and I don't know if anyone knows this off the top of their head, but like a simple Sega Genesis sound emulator where i can just sit there and i don't i don't know i've seen people take game boys and hook them up to yeah reproduce down on synths and uh, i just love the Very genesis cool. sounds for some reason because i grew up with it yeah um, there's there's a bit of that nostalgia factor but, but uh yeah. speaking of games which happens to be common with me <laughs> um <laughs> so armored core six uh players have gone through and actually made armored cores uh, look like Gundam. And then here's the Sazabi that looks yeah. excellent. I mean, and I remember when I unlocked these legs, I'm actually using them on my main build right now. Um, I was like, those look like Sazabi legs. Yeah. Um, 
And it's I love crazy. that they even uploaded the Casval uh, decal. Yeah. And... <laughs> so it, it it's crazy because it has that decal um, maker that is yeah. – it, it's you could do whatever you want as long as you're creative. It's like you're talking about with the ghosts. It's like using the limitations to manipulate in a way to make your own decal. Yeah, um, that's one thing that I do like about some sports games. I think the last FIFA that I played, which was probably a few years ago, you know, you could create a, your own team logo online, upload it, and then download your team into the the PlayStation. And it was like, you know, I basically uploaded the crest from my you know adult rec league and created myself as a as a player oh. <laughs> that's pretty cool actually i yeah i like it when games have that layer of customization even um i think when it was either goldeneye or perfect dark when it first came out they originally were going to have it where you can take a picture and i forget if this was supposed to be some camera add-on or it was the game boy color camera i don't know but you take a picture and then you're able to upload it into the n64 and, and then I guess because of a shooting, I think it was Columbine, they decided to. Yeah. That, that. Uh, but here's a gun cannon. Very cool. And I think the main thing we're going to see um, looking at these is it's more about the general shape of the mobile suit. Yeah. You know, and, and a lot of seeing like the colors, just getting the coloring and the decals, which it's, it's okay. I mean, we're not going to yeah. get. Okay, here's Epion. I mean, remember a couple weeks ago when, uh, when on my stream when we were recoloring the bound dock, it using oh, yeah. different mobile suit palettes. You know, it's the same sort of idea that that you get here, where it's like you're taking almost forms of color and applying them in very strategic ways in order to sort of replicate the look without completely copying the form. Yeah, yeah, that's that. Yeah, I guess that's what's pretty much going on. Um... So here's a Jinx from Double O. Not too familiar with it other than I saw it in Double O. <laughs> not GM2, a very exciting color palette. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's no, exactly. And GM2, this, this is a good example of what you were just talking about. Because the shape of this is not a GM, but it's the colors. Yeah. yeah. Using the colors. Very um, strategically positioned. Like the Strike Freedom. Like at first I'm looking at it, it's like that doesn't look like a strike freedom, but I'm like, wait a minute. That those colors are actually very strike freedom-y with the gold. And the fact yeah. that with the colors you can add a layer of weathering or metallicness to it. So And you know what? This is this is a fascinating sort of thought experiment because I suspect that the Gundam live action movie will end up looking a lot like armored core six custom gundam mobile suits you know kind of how that like would be, that would actually like be funny close, but not quite <laughs> like how for the x-men movie they all wore leather you know the black leather it's it's kind of yeah. like they make a live action american gundam movie they make it like serious looking robots instead <laughs> that yeah i would hate that <laughs> i would hate that but <laughs> please but don't that, that it makes sense Okay, these, yeah, I mean that's these, that's kind of the the way that they went with Transformers, right? Yeah, that's you know what I I admit like I'm not into Transformers. I don't even like the movies that much, but that was a pretty neat attempt at a new way to design giant robots because it yeah. has all those pieces to make it seem more like okay, yes, it's going to need all those pistons and bits to to move. So yeah, yeah. and then uh, 
Yeah, here's a new. Again, not really the shape of it, but the I like how they did the fin funnels. I was gonna say the fin funnels are a nice touch. Yeah. Um let's see, there's like the thunderbolt. That's like okay. Like yeah, some of them it's more of just the and I don't know if I shared it with you, but or did I share it in the in uh the Gundam Explain Discord server? It was a uh, my armored core, and I just put blue, white, and red on it, and then I made the little Federation cross crest thing, and I just put it on the chest. And it's awesome, super basic. But I was like, "Here's my Gundam." <laughs> um, let's yeah. see what else. Yeah, not familiar with that. Oh, this one yeah, looks an IBO. Cool. Here's a uh, man. I Mark hate that II. I love the Titans colors as much as I do because that color scheme would look good on on anything. Yeah, it's making me want to use this. And that's another thing in Armor Core, you can get like codes or something where you can like import what people have made. That's I really love the cool. way this looks. Uh, I like, think that, yeah, dude, that looks fantastic. And uh, honestly, I think that that as a gaming, you know, I'm surprised that more video games, especially AAA publishers, don't do that kind of community sharing. Um, feature you know what i mean like i remember yeah. little big planet was such a big deal because uh, you could share levels across the internet and play what other people had built that that, that we goes need, into we what we were talking about um yesterday i think with gaming need to have that sort of creator aspect yeah. to it um and that's the thing with armored core i find it very lacking as a full game but for people that want to do customization in terms of building a mech or decals and painting, like it, it full on has all that. And that's the thing as personally, I don't care about that stuff. I would rather be playing armored core and like, here is this universe's armored core of this type. And I would like, okay, I'll use that. You know, yeah. I'm not much of a customizer. I, you guys could see all my GBO2 streams. Like all of my mobile suits are, I just, I turn down the weathering and the, make it less glossy to make it seem like uh, a little straight more up out of the cartoon. Yeah. yeah that's, when you, when you get that heavy into customization systems, it, it ends up taking away any, um, you know, it's like, why bother picking anything at all? You know? Yes. Yeah. Um, this one looks pretty good. And it's the colors. They got that gold sheen just right. And, and the rifle really, really looks the part. Yeah. Yeah, that's that pretty cool. Um, Let's see. And then, yeah, this Gundam Heavy Arms Custom. That looks like it. Yeah. The Calibarn. Okay, let's People love that Calibarn, man. Barbados, that looks like it. Because, you know, the colors and the decals. Yeah. And I think... Armored Core lends more to that kind of design with, like, the slim designs. Yeah, slim waist. Gun tank. The gun tank is by far the best one. Well, let's look at the Zaku 2. Because that's pretty good. Yeah. The, the, I, I appreciate the effort taken to create the mono-eye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I like that one a lot. That That's pretty good. Um what were some other things? An RX-78 too, but no, there's no way. I was gonna say, is that yours? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That for a second, like this could have been mine, but no, that that's not. And that's the thing. I think 
there's something about the very humanoid shapes of mobile suits yes. that are pretty interesting. They're not re as realistic to me, but it works for some reason. I agree. And I've always preferred that type of mecha design compared to, um, you know, armored cores or yeah, you know, battle tech, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what it is. It's like, I like mechs, but I, it's, I didn't know I liked mobile suit mechs. And then, yeah, the number one's the Sazabi, which I gotta say, that Sazabi looks great. Like, it really does. It, yeah. So, they understood cool. the assignment. Do you plan on playing Armored Core 6? I still haven't picked it up yet, but, um, you know, we'll see. And it's, yeah, uh, it's one of those where it's not a bad game, it's not necessarily my type of game. Yeah, you know, I, it's it's funny to me because there's been a lot of discourse on Twitter about, like, you know, after playing Armored Core 6, a lot of people have been talking about, like, well, my ideal mecha game or, like, oh. my my dream mecha game would be this, this, and this. And it got, just got me thinking about, you know, a, a lot of people talk about customization stuff. They talk about, like, you know having a story or something like that but no one really talks about the same thing that you and i bring up all the time which is we just want like a non-linear you know for lack of a better term open world mech game that's not yeah. mission based and not just grinding through levels and, and I, I think it's it's crazy to me that no one talks about that that there really is no mech game that i can think of and you know chat can correct me there's no mech game i can think of that that has that sort of open world aspect. I think maybe Xenogears is was one that people have brought up to me in the past, but I haven't played that. But you know what? That's a good point because just think of when someone's playing something like Elden Ring or Fallout, and they are so into their character and how their character is going through the world. the The open world Gundam game would be, or open world mech game would be that. It would be your Fallout, your Elden Ring, but your armored core is what your focused on you yeah. know yeah sure you have a pilot maybe but it's like going through the world in your mech and exploring with your mech and being like okay i'm gonna get these thrusters so i can get to this hidden castle i don't know um yeah yeah that needs to happen um some other game stuff real quick is gbo2 had an update and i guess the gbo two days are going on so you can get your free mobile suits um yeah. that way for four days get or you, so get you an act zaku yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Um, and this one is the ghoul, which I gotta admit, I hadn't heard of it. In fact, it looked like from Wing almost. This looks like is is it called like the Magnac or something like that? Yeah, the, the Maganok core. Maganok. Okay. It almost looks like that in a way, but this is it does. A mobile suit from The Blazing Shadow, which is a light novel series, and it takes place after the one-year war. So the Ghoul is a prototype mobile suit that takes inspiration from Zimad mobile suit design. So Zimad was like the ones making the crazier-looking mobile suits for, um, uh, like, I want to say it might have been like the At guy and the... Yeah, all of the amphibious mobile suits, and then the Zuda was their, was their original... Oh, it doesn't um, have a list. Oh, oh, the Zuda, that's right. That's a very good uh, call out there because that was supposed to try to rival, you know, the Zaku. And I guess they purposely made it not just so the, the Zaku can yeah. 
again, that's one of those things where Gundam is just so realistic. You know, you think about real life weapons manufacturers. Um, I think that I I forget what it was called, but there's like the U.S. military has like their new next gen rifle program where they were accepting applications from weapons manufacturers. Like who's going to develop the licensed next gen assault rifle for for U.S. soldiers and it's like that's exactly what Zeon did with Zeonic and and Zimad is it was like yeah. who's going to develop our our flagship mobile suit give us your best shot and Zimad made the Zuda yeah i love that and and I, what i like even more though is because of that happening the idea is i guess after the one year war when like they got folded into Anaheim Electronics i guess Zimad kind of still hung around as their own thing um apparently and um, yeah, I mean, they made the Dom, uh, is what uh, Johnny Tacoma says. Oh, cool. Yeah, they're, and so apparently it was developed through illegal means by the Hell's Gate Xeon remnants. So illegal means, I guess it's like unapproved um, like weapon production. Like, you know, I, I'm sure the Earth Sphere is wanting to clamp down on who can produce mobile suits. Oh, yeah. And obviously they're producing it because they're wanting to fight back the Earth Federation. Um Let's see. It is fitted with a specialized cockpit and maneuver and maneuvering system developed by Hell's Gate that requires the pilot to undergo inhumane body modification in order to use it. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Unlike most Xeon mobile suits, the Ghoul features magnet coating resulting in high uh, high reaction speed. These features allow an amateur pilot to fight evenly against experienced soldiers. So an amateur pilot that has gone. <laughs> that has undergone inhuman <laughs> modification. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Like, what I, what specifically? I, so there's not much more information. Yeah. We would probably have to read this Blazing Shadow uh, Can't novel. Be worse than the Psycho Zaku, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I would be curious, especially when it's Zimad. Like, I wonder what direction they would have gone with that. Um. And I don't even know if it's been translated. It looks like it has four volumes or 16 chapters. That would be pretty neat to... Um, yeah, that, I'm, I'm looking at this character to see if it explains anything. But yeah, there's very little yeah. information. Interesting. I bet We'll have to check out uh, Xeonic scans and see if... Um, oh, it's on there. See if he's translated this one. Yeah, because I like because I, I like that idea of the story. It's after one year war. We don't get too much of that actually. <laughs> if you think about it, it's usually during one year war. But it's like they're hunting down remnants. Like I like that idea. Um, yeah, that's that's just a cool. It, it, and that's what makes that uh, that game 0081 so awesome. Is yeah. that you know you're playing as Zeon remnants and also the Federation that's hunting them down. I'm glad you brought that up because I need to get back to that game and beat that level that i'm having such a hard time on um is that that tank escort mission that we were doing no no, it's the i want to say it's like the third or fourth level in the main single player campaign where it's is it a a goof or some other suit that just destroys you like you go through the level and destroy other easily and then it pops out and just destroys you and it's like is it the first time you feed you fight the afrit knocked that's what it is that's what it is yep that's yeah you gotta you gotta avoid those those sabers because he will cut you down pretty quick and i want to get through that because i really really strongly want to beat that game i feel like that is just a gundam game i need to play through because it's it's 
pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, if it were a first-person game like um, like Rise from the Ashes, that would be like the quintessential Gundam experience, I feel yeah. like. That's true, because, yeah, the one has... A, I like how it handles the upgrading of your mobile suits. Um, yeah. That it, it, it's not really... as customizable as, like, an armored core where you can swap right. out arms and legs and... What's the what's that Greek story about the ship where you swap out enough parts? Is it still the same ship even? Oh, um, I don't know. Good one. I bet Talos would know. He's uh, in the chat. Um, there you go. Let's see. Uh, another. Th OK, so anyway, the whole point of that was interesting. They have something called the ghoul. It's like a post one year ward Zimad mobile suit. There's not too much information on it, which is very interesting. So uh, it would be cool to maybe do a video where it's more of a deeper dive because I really want to understand what the modifications were. Um, yeah, and to bring uh, it full circle, that was definitely pieces. developed by a guy with a name like Ghoul. Uh, yeah, <laughs> That go. is not a flowery name by any stretch. Totally a dude that <laughs> Halloween is his favorite holiday. Yeah, it maybe has his hair like down to the side <laughs> and writes yeah. poetry in a composition notebook. I, I, I'm, I'm, being, AFI. I'm being a bit of a bully. <laughs> no, no, I like where you're going with this. <laughs> it's a cool suit, though. I got to say, it has. Uh, it is. Has cool the, the face um, reminds me of Shredder from the Ninja, Ninja Turtles. Oh, good call. Yeah, I was thinking the uh, it, it, the noisy fairy. Um, I forget what that main suit you get from the main character that's like really awesome with the shotgun. I don't the, know why. Camper? Yeah, camphor. It kind of almost has that look to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty cool. Um, okay. This other uh, news story. So I like to look at news like this because this is Gundam information like outside of the fandom. This is the Wall Street Journal. Um, Gundam stock, the case for investing in giant animated robot suits. Like no one within a Gundam community would talk like that. <laughs> you know, so that's why I think this is going to be interesting. So Bandai Namco, the Japanese company behind the cult anime mobile suit Gundam, has legions of loyal customers and some potentially valuable new franchises. Okay. Uh, Gundam Dragon Ball One Piece, the company built atop these iconic Japanese anime franchises, should be on investors' screens, too. So I guess what this article is saying and the point of Wall Street Journal is letting investors know or people know, hey, keep your eye out on this uh, property. Uh, Japanese toy manufacturer Bandai Namco is best known for making what hobbyists call Gumpla, plastic models based on the animation series Mobile Suit Gundam. Though the television series featuring robot battles in space was launched more than 40 years ago, the brand is still going strong. The Gundam franchise just had its best year ever, generating 131 billion yen, the equivalent of about 900 million in revenue for Bandai Namco in the fiscal year ending in March. And awesome. I got to say, that's there's a lot of times I come across people that don't know what Gundam is and they ask what my YouTube channel is about. And I'm like, well, it's about this Japanese anime property. And they're like, what is it called? Uh, Gundam. Like what's Gundam? Well, it's about, you know, it, I feel a like long this story. <laughs> I know. I feel like article like this, you can take info from and use that. Yeah. Uh, uh, so the pandemic boosted sales of Gumpla, which kept stay-at-home adults and children entertained, but the franchise's strong staying power all uh, its own. In an April report, Goldman Sachs compared Gumpla to Lego, which has also managed to attract adult fans with high-priced niche items. And Bandai Namco has been using True. different media, such as games and animation, to push the franchise further. 
For example, its animation series, The Witch from Mercury, released last year, has expanded its already broad audience. Bandai Namco also owns the rights to make toys and video games for some other popular anime franchises. Dragon Ball and One Piece, in particular, are the big revenue drivers that have been growing quickly in recent years. Bandai's toy business, which accounts for more than half of its operating profit. So, their toys, more than half of the money they make. That's that's isn't that like that Star Wars thing, (laughs) you know, with the George Lucas? Like it's interesting still. And I'm not even surprised because I thought maybe toys were declining. You know, it reminds me of Spaceballs and the classic Mel Brooks line, you know, merchandising, merchandising, Spaceballs, the video game, Spaceballs, the coloring book. Like, but that's interesting because I feel like. And I don't know if that's the case of being an adult and getting older, but I feel like toys just aren't as popular. And my kids, they're not, they're not into toys. Like, yeah, younger generations tend to be more into video games lately than. So seeing that it's still more than half, and I want to say, is it Bandai's toy business? But it's it's interesting. It gets to another aspect. Um, Let's see. Uh, Bandai's toy business was more than half. Uh, revenue there has doubled in the past five years. Yeah, revenue has doubled in the past, while operating margin also doubled to 13% in the last fiscal year ending in March. Apart from the plastic model, sales of trading cards have also been growing quickly. Now, that's something I've been seeing more often than not is as I am searching, navigating, you know, the pop culture nerd stuff, cards are still a thing. I, who knew? Yeah. Uh, okay, so... Oh, what's up? No, I mean, I, I, I'm with you. I, I thought that trading cards were going to go away, but like, Pokemon yeah, and I wonder if they, going strong. Like, and I wonder if it's a popularity of Pokemon that keeps cards as a popular option. I don't know. Yeah. Well, but and Bandai owns Yu Gi Oh as well. Oh, that's right. Yu Gi Oh is a big one too, still. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So this is interesting. The company's digital business, mostly video games, hasn't been doing quite as well lately, though there are reasons to think this things may improve. The segment includes games based on the firm's anime intellectual properties, but also comes up with new concepts that can expand into franchises. For example, the game Elden Ring launched last year was a smash hit, selling more than 20 million copies worldwide. A coming expansion pack could be another bestseller. Jeffries expects it to sell more than 10 million copies in the first 12 months after its debut later this year or early next year. Armored Core 6 fires Rubicon coming out in August. So this article is late August, but he probably wrote it before. Yeah, should also boost Bandai Namco's game revenue, and that is true. So, but what's interesting about them bringing up the video game stuff here is they, the popular stuff they brought up were games made by game developers, and I mean where it's not like an IP that hey we need someone to make the, a game about this. This is yeah. more of an idea that a developer had, and I think that's the problem with their anime properties uh and you know i don't know though with one piece and dragon ball those games probably sell good i don't know i think they have a younger target audience but with gundam they're more of making a a game that fits a a sector instead of making a game for it on its own like like they want to make a gundam game here is something that imbues what gundam is and takes the best of game development design and when uh you look at the games they've come out. I mean, I think the best example is Evolution, where they doubled down on that. Let's just make a hero shooter. No one cared. Yeah, yeah. 
and it's very telling that those franchises you mentioned dragon ball and one piece they lend themselves so perfectly to fighting games that pretty much every dragon ball game is just a reskinned fighting game Ah, and i I don't say that like to disparage them at all i've played them and i I think they're fun it's just you know yeah dragon ball z is all about fighting so yeah fighting game duels that type of deal you and we've seen gundam try to reskin that as well with gundam battle assault you know so it's like Ah. i don't think that anyone's really been able to find that winning formula for a video game gbo2 is very close and you and i've talked about that where it's like That's it's very true. close to being the authentic, like a unique experience for Gundam. Yeah, you're right. That even though I still feel like it's more of a budget than a true AAA, it's it's still more of its own identity than the. I mean, the Dynasty Warriors Gundam, great, but Dynasty Dynasty Warriors, you know, exactly. It's, SD Gundam Battle Alliance just took the uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance formula. Um, yeah, still fun, but not its own thing. So I think it's cool to see this from the wall street journal outside of the fandom talk about how the toys are super popular this for them and and the properties popular the games aren't doing that great except for their non ip games or their non you know i can't help but feel like this article is sort of trying to court investors ahead of the gundam movie coming out yeah you know what great observation that was part of my motivation to make this channel because that was back when they were already announcing the movie and i was like well yeah. i want to be able to cover it it hasn't happened yet <laughs> right and so honestly that makes me feel good because if you know i don't, I don't want to say like oh they're they're trying to beg for money but like they if they are actively seeking investors then it means that they want to throw a big budget at the gundam movie and do 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 it well do it right you know yeah so this time they're taking could be more telling of them doing it right than really an issue that's going on. Yeah. So in real quick, we're, we're going to be ending here, but I something I wanted to bring up one piece just came out on Netflix. I haven't watched it. Have you ever watched the anime? No, it didn't really appeal to me, but okay. um, yeah. What, what about you? What's your, I haven't watched it, but I'm, I think I've heard positive things about it though. So I know there's kind of this trend of Netflix anime adaptations, not being that good, but this actually sounded like um, it's doing pretty good. So I might check it out. Yeah. I mean, it's always nice when the original creator is actively involved with the production of it, as opposed to just kind of signing off on it. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, Well, um, Okay, then, uh, yeah, I guess it is about time, so we will, um, uh, sorry, my wife is, like, asking me something. I I think she doesn't realize I'm doing something live, but there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, um, yeah, I think that's about it. Um, Yeah, good talk today. Video game heavy, which nothing wrong with that. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's like you said um, on your birthday video, the, the stuff that, when you get an opportunity to talk about Gundam and video games, that's when, that's when Adam's in his sweet spot. That's oh, like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that, 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 that's, that's true for sure. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and head out. Uh, thanks to everyone that joined. This was a lot of fun. Have yeah, a good weekend. Guys. Yeah. Podcast will be up tomorrow and um, yeah. Talk later. See y'all. Cheers.